0: hi everyone it's been a long time here not really a long time just a few weeks away i've been under a lot of pressure trying to tackle up some things and writing a couple of exams as well so i didn't just Intentionally, I promised I wasn't going to do that this year. And yes, I am not going to do that. I'm going to do everything within my power to keep to this agreement and be here. It's, um, it's the month of May. Uh, for the very first time, if you would notice, I don't have so much to say it's about it's like i have to think my words through and yes it's because this month reminds me of grief 28th of this month makes it a year i lost my best friend my first love my everything and the person of my father it's um really getting into this month had me having some kind of palpitations because I didn't know what to feel. I didn't know if I didn't know really, I didn't know what to feel. Was it going to be like every other month, or was this month always going to remind me of pain? of that one person I always dreamt of having in my life forever. Not really forever. Cause I know that someday our parents are going to leave. Life is so you know, it's fickle and I don't expect them to live forever. They're gonna met the seller of course. But then uh our hope and our prayers are that they live so long to see their grandchildren we have the opportunity to give back to them i mean if you're in africa especially in a place like nigeria you totally relate to how hard it is to raise children unless you're coming from a very privileged home or you know but even like coming from a privileged home you still have to work hard somehow so it's it's really not an easy task and um yeah it's as if life just took that one opportunity from you to like you know this is just something you've always wanted and life says oh no you can't have it without your permission like because when i lost my dad one thing i kept saying was how does life give you something to cherish so much and then takes it away it didn't make any sense you know it was just like any other day I had a diabetic father so um it's been a battle since 2008 when he had nail injury because he was he was already diabetic before then my dad battled diabetes for 21 years and um since 2017 he's been on constant you know checkups and that was when We found out about the PEN medication because before then, I was one injecting him, my sisters, and all of that. When I had to be in school, I had to teach my sisters. So when we got to the hospital in 2017, he had to start injecting himself. And you know, the, the mental torture of having to have injections every day of your life, I felt like when was this ever going to end? But my dad, being the the Christian that he is, he always had this hope that he was going to get out of this one day or he was going to be better, you know, with time and I I wasn't home, I was far away but I always, you know, I did my best trying to make sure, I know how getting to fix their meals could be and with the current situation at home, I had like quadrupled siblings that really needed attention. I we had to like outsource when necessary. And you know, living in a in a low income country like Nigeria makes it harder because people with these ailments are really not considered and diabetes is ex- to manage diabetes is expensive. <laughs> really. And um, yeah, so getting to the week my dad died, it all started on the twenty sixth you know, I I went to the market and I bought I bought food stuff because was going to make him planting porridge. Those that, that was one of his, you know, favorite foods. And I remember we were just having this regular conversation about how tough Nigeria was, how I went to the market with uh, you know, certain amount of money and I ended up even spending more. I had to even transfer at a point because I ran out of cash in the market and I, my dad is a very quiet person right so he was so quiet all day and I felt like it was just him being the way he is till I was about to start making the food in the evening and he told me oh my abdomen is, is hurting I I, joking, I jokingly told him ah has appendicitis added to your wala. come let's dress up and go to the hospital so I was like it's true sir you're due for your monthly check your checkup it's three months now um the dream months is meant to be next week and today is already like wednesday so it's okay so just get get ready next week monday we'll go for your checkup <laughs> i did not had just a few hours with him and he was like no he's not going and i told him ah, it's true. If your drugs should have exhausted because i usually order for his drugs myself and yes yeah, so your drugs should either be finishing or you should have been exhausted like exhausted for a few days he said yes i said so why didn't you tell me my father and i have something in common we don't like to bu- to bother people and we'd rather keep things to ourselves and handle it no matter even when we're dying i know it's a very bad trait yeah i'm trying to work on it but the thing is i think is the fear of someone saying no or is the fear of um there's some people some people want you because they, they did something for you they feel like they own you so i don't really give people that level of power over me i don't know what it is i don't know if it's pride but i just know that this is a part of me uh and it's like that you know now that's not right now you should have told me and you know blah 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 And we talked about it. And that's when he told me that he has vomited. I was like, I vomited, Kia. We're in the same house. I mean, I I was so overwhelmed that period, taking care of the, the babies. I recently left my job. I was getting depressed. I was at a point of crisis. Now, I am very close to my dad. So I could say that I felt my father's death and that was depression but then I felt it was okay because I left my job and I hate being idle so I felt like okay I left my job because it was very it was getting very toxic I, I was losing weight I wasn't happy anymore I was just a shadow of myself so I just knew it was time to go home but I didn't know it was more than just losing my job and that day I remember I was cooking and my mom was like your dad is vomiting again and I came I was like, let's go to the hospital. He refused. The next morning, I, I stayed awake all night monitoring him till like 2 a.m. He told me, no, just can't sleep. I'll be fine. And in the morning, being children's day, we were all together. My mom had, my mom's a lecturer, so she had to go to school. They had like a presentation or something. And um, I was with, the one with him. I was meant to take the girls to go make their hair because they were going to resume school the following week but and I was going to go my sister but then when I saw the whole situation I said no stay at home with him while I take the girls I'll control both of them and I asked him should I go he said yes you know I gave him his insulin by then I've ordered for his drugs the drugs were on the way and I left they got the drugs around 10 a.m And I was really hoping he, you know, he took it. I I felt like, okay, he knows now. He's not feeling fine. So once the drugs come, he's going to take it. It was until after 4 p.m., I came back home to help him with something. And I asked him. And then he said he hasn't taken it. I think that was when I started getting scared. I'm like, okay, what is this man up to? I really, I forced those drugs down, his truth. And I left. Around 7, my mom called me. You know, she, she was like, I should come back home. I said, Mommy, the kids are almost done with their hair. And she was like, Your father is not talking again. And my head I'm like, eh? You see, what? I left those kids there. I ran home. I mean it's close to my house, so and then the hairstylist is trusted and she also lives in my street. I came back, my mom has already called um one of my dad's um nephews. That we also live in the same neighborhood. And we had to—I had to call his hospital immediately, and we had to rush him. So, on getting there, they were already set. And my father, who was in like—let's say coma, or he was like in shock. He wasn't talking; he was just staring into air. By the time they started running the fluids and everything, I saw my dad getting better. Like this man was not talking barely five minutes ago so he's talking now they asked him his name asked him his his you know to identify the people in the room he was able to identify me identify my neighbor identify my uncle identify my mom and then they were like we're looking for your folder number and we can't be able to you know we can't get your folder and my father mentioned the folder number and lo and behold it was his folder number i'm like ah. The doctor was like, ah, What are you doing here? I mean, he spoke it, I'm Igbo, so he spoke it in Igbo. What are you doing here now? Ah, it's time for you to go home, jokingly, of course. And he was just okay. He told me to oh, turn on the television. I need to listen to Journalist Hangouts. That was his very favorite TV program. like, Anytime he come to my house, that's what you see watching Journalist Hangouts. And my, while well, my uncle was struggling with getting the TV channel, My father called the TV channel himself. So it was obvious that he was getting better. Uh, Then the argument came, who is going to stay, who is going to leave. I felt it wasn't nice for my mom to just come from work. She left since 7am in the morning, come back by 6pm in the evening and for her to come and sleep over in the hospital. So I thought I'd just go home, stay with the kids and the rest of my siblings, I'll sleep over and um in the morning you can come and take over while all this was happening i have this friend i call it god said vicky vicky Ogu, god bless you for me i don't know if you ever get to listen to this but if you do god bless you for me you're an angel i don't just know how she felt something was wrong and sent me a message and was asking me what's up i told her what was happening this girl left everything she was doing and she wanted to come to the hospital. I told her, no, please run to my house. My siblings are alone and the generator was faulty. So, you know, we're in Nigeria. <laughs> we have to deal with light issues and all of that. So it's nothing new. Um, she ran to my house. So when my mom finally came back home to get me sweaters, sleeping wears and something to eat, she returned with my friend. So my friend was there with me. And this was like, say, around 12 1 a.m. And my mom had to go because it was getting late. She left. I was just about to eat, and my dad calls me, and he's like, "I need water." Like, and that, Daddy boy on drip. He's. I had to consult the doctor. Doctor said I shouldn't allow him to gulp it. Just give him a tiny bit. And it was as if I gave him the water, and everything started going left. Oxygen concentration started dropping. Before, when my mom was there, my dad is my dad has never been hypertensive, but all of a sudden, my father was having a lot of pressure that night. So before my mom left, it has come up a bit. You know, it was like normal range. Everything started dropping again. The doctor was even surprised. Like, what happened? I said, I don't know. That is, or oh, that was the longest night of my entire lifetime I have never prayed for morning to come that fast in my life I my eyes are so heavy but I felt like if I slept off for one bit like when I wake up my dad would be gone my eyes were on that monitor even when I when the sleep was like gets because i was stressed the whole day i was out the whole day but i just couldn't help but stare at that monitor you know and i saw him struggling i remember when the nurse came to insert the catheter and because it was surprising that he's had like four liters of fluid and he never mentioned like there was an urge to you know urinate or anything so they had to insert a catheter and i saw the color of the urine now i think sometimes it's not just good to know too much because i did my it in a nephrology clinic here in Enugu. so when i saw that i was very worried all through my my dad's medical checkups his when he goes for his kidney function liver function heart function test he was perfectly okay so how was everything going wrong last minute and you know i had to call the doctor the doctor sat down there with me till morning it was just around like 5 20 because i kept asking him that are you okay he said yes i'm fine but i'm seeing you're struggling to breathe and i think it was around i think it was around 4 a.m he asked me who did i say died i said "I did nobody because the previous day when we got to the hospital, my pastor came and the wife. You know, they they were talking about someone that they was going. They were going to bury the next day, so they finished praying and they told him that when they come back from the burial, they will see him. I said, he said, okay, no problem. He asked me who died. I said nobody. Shortly after that, he told me that if I was going to let, he said, he's in his words, if you would let me, I want to rest. I felt maybe because I was asking him. Um, Daddy, are you fine? Is anything wrong with you? So I felt like I was asking him too much questions and he was tired of it. I didn't know there was more to that statement. So I just left him to kind of sleep. Around 5.20, a friend of mine who knew I was um, in the hospital the previous day was calling to know what's up. So my friend Vicky was in the room with me. I was in the toilet answering that because I thought he was sleeping and I didn't want to stop him. When I started hearing them shouting, you know, they were shouting, Ada, Ada, I thought it was me. I mean, um, the first child and first daughter and in Igbo land, the first daughter of a family is called Ada, but uh, then the nurse that was on duty that night was also Ada. So when the doctor was calling on Ada, I thought it was me, he was calling. I came out, I rushed out and I saw him like vomiting the same blackish stuff he was vomiting so he was vomiting like more of it and I was happy I felt like okay yeah he's vomiting this whole thing he's going to feel at ease right now and while I was holding him and you know massaging his shoulders and rubbing his back so he vomit, I noticed everything like even stuff coming out from his nose and all of that and then the doctor now starts shouting, like, sanction, suction. You know, the suction machine was just there. I just had to drag it very close. It starts sanctioning and all of that. And my father's head dropped. <laughs> I said, at, at that point, I was like, Daddy, don't even try it. I slapped my father. Yes, I did. I slapped him very hard. I was like, Daddy, not now. This is not the agreement. Not now. So it was like around 5.30 a.m. I was like, Daddy, not now you know so the doctor told the nurse to take me out i've like i had sweater on but that was cold i called my uncle that was the first person i called i called my uncle i can't even call my mom my mom is a very emotional person i had to be strong so i called my mom i saw i called my uncle in Anambra, and i told him uncle start praying I'm losing my dad, you know. So he was still trying to send me number of a pastor, you know how our our people can be. I mean, that was what he could do at that point in time. I'd like, I've never prayed. If I knew how to speak in tongues, eh, I would speak in tongues that day. And while I was just there, I was calling my my venerable, and he wasn't picking. So I suspected they were having their morning prayers. I didn't want to stop them. And then the, the doctor walks up to me, and I look him straight in the eye. And I'm like, What have you come to tell me? And he's like, I'm sorry, boy, he didn't make it. My life, as I knew it, crashed at that moment. I remember i remember i fell to the ground my feet couldn't carry me anymore i couldn't cry i couldn't shout i couldn't do anything i was i don't like like i said i had sweater on because i've been under the ac for a very long time and I was like, I was cold. The next minute, I was hot. I'll pull off the sweater. I'll turn to Vicky. I tell her, Vicky, I'm cold. She wear the sweater again. I kept doing this. I had the urge to use the restroom. Like, I had diarrhea from nowhere. And I, I couldn't even go to my dad. I couldn't even look at him. I came out from the restroom. I went to his bedside. I remember telling him, Daddy, I can't do this. I'm just 23, where do I start from? (sighs) Okay, I've never been this vulnerable openly. My friends know me to be someone that I'm so tough on the outside, but I don't know how I would have said this for this long without breaking down. I'll try. I hate to be a crybaby, but I'll try uh i kept staring at my dad i called my uncle i told him what was going on and um he had to leave and i'm rather early to start coming to Enugu. now the big the big deal was how was i going to bring this to my mom without doing it the wrong way so that she doesn't faint so that she doesn't you know just do something drastic and you know the beautiful thing about sharing a bond with a group of people is that when something is happening everybody tends to feel it now my younger sister my alpha child very early in the morning, she woke up, she called me, she was like, how is he? I was like, he's fine. She said, send me a picture of him. And I just don't know why I took that picture randomly in the middle of the night. And I sent it to her. I was like, this is daddy. And she was like, okay, is he getting better? I said, yes. At this point, my dad was dead, but I can't tell her. My mini younger sister was in school. She called, she sent me a message by 6 a.m. Out of the blues telling me to come and pick her up from school later on i mean she was meant to come back that weekend and she was telling me that she wasn't sure she was going to come back that she doesn't think she wants to come back all of a sudden she just had the urge to come back home and my my sister the one i was chatting with called me and said that she told she called her by 6 a.m i was like how is daddy it was so strange and we, we didn't tell her he was in the hospital because we didn't want her to worry. You know, we all know how medical school can be. So we just wanted her to just focus on school. I mean, nobody thought. My dad had, I've seen my father fight more severe medical conditions. So, like, nobody felt like, oh, my my, my tummy hurts. I was going to lead to, you know, him dying. I called my, I called my mom's boss and I told her, or what was going on that you should please head to the house to be with my mom because we called her the previous day to tell her that my dad was sick so coming to the house was not going to be strange I called my venerable I called my uncle and I went to the hospital with the previous night and he came to the hospital I, I called I called my roommate's husband and he came with my roommates, and, you know, her brother-in-law, her former roommate, this was like my inner circle, kind of. I couldn't cry. I was just, there were just tears here and there. That was all. And um, I had to go home. And getting back home, my mom saw me. And... By then, I mean, her, her boss, my, my reverend's wife, they were all here. Even my neighbor, I've already alerted them. So they were all standing by, waiting for me to go upstairs. And then she asked me the question, where is your father? What are you doing here? Where is your father? I smiled. I told her, he's fine. He said, he's fine. And who did you leave him with? I mean, she has gotten the message. So she started screaming, you know. And my sister ran out and started screaming. I had to hold my sister. The kids, the quadruplets were quite confused. They were just two. So they obviously didn't understand what was going on. I took them inside. My neighbors came. Everybody came. Everybody started holding my mom. And yeah, I think my full other responsibilities started i thought like it's funny enough a few days before then i tweeted that i was tired of like in my next one i wasn't going to be a first child because i felt like the responsibilities i had was so much i didn't know that there was just more coming just a few days after they had to take my mom to the hospital to see her husband for the last time none of my uncles were closed and they had to move his dead body to the host- to the mortuary my mom has never been to a mortuary in her life. I have never been to a mortuary in my life too, but I will say that my father's death gave me a different sense of bravery. I've always been a very courageous kid, that I know, but my dad's passing made me more courageous than I thought in my lifetime. So. My mom called and said she doesn't have the mind to go to the mortuary. I said, "Okay, come back home." She came back. I went to the mortuary. I went to the hospital. And I think that was when the first reality dawned on me cuz I came back, my father has been covered in white, tied up like he was a prisoner. I couldn't even see his face anymore. He was in white. I came to shout. Now, I think that's one part I don't understand why africans do that it comes from a place of care i get it but that is not what someone that is grieving needs at that point in time i just don't know why people feel like grieving is you shouldn't be allowed to grieve i saw that sight and i felt i felt like someone poured water all over my head and that was that was finally when i let out a loud cry and then my dad's friend and, you know, in Igbo land, there's something called Omunna. Like, your kingsmen. So some of them that stay in town, they already had the news and they ran to the hospital. And he scolded me. He was like, why am I crying? Everything he said was in Igbo, but I can't say here because there are other people that are non-Ibos that could be listening. And he was like, why am I crying? That um, God didn't do a bad thing by giving my father someone as old as i am that i should be grateful i had a good father i should be grateful i felt the love of a father that i shouldn't be crying that if i start crying i'm going to get confused and i won't be able to put my thoughts together and i think he was right on that part but then at that point in time all i needed to do was cry this is my dad this is not just anybody this is not a random person this is my dad this is the man i've known for 33 years of my life and the moment he did that to be honest tears disappeared went to the mortuary deposited him there uh, my other sister princess was on in soccer. I think um, treasure has already given her the news so I didn't also know how to bring her back home but we, she went for a program so we knew we expected her to come back that day my dad died and the one in school, I had to go and get her myself. I got her from school, you know, just jovial and on getting to the house, I had to start subtly letting out the information because my house was so full. So I didn't want her to be overwhelmed with the crowd. or. Maybe my mom sees her and my mom starts crying. I was trying to avoid that, so I told her this was what it is. Subtly took a while, Heart started telling her from when he complained about tommy ache and all of that. And yeah, my sister is as strong as I am, <laughs> she's younger, but like I can say she's stronger. So she came up, she saw my mom. My mom started crying all over again, and she started consoling My mom, but before then, I already called her friends because my sister, my younger sister, doesn't really have friends. She's like my father; both of them are extremely introverted. <sighs> I called her friends from Osaka, and they came, so they were at home before I brought her home. At least that was a little bit of consolation because I also had my friends here, though. I mean couldn't even sit down at a place i was everywhere trying to get my mom um sleeping pills to get her weak because she was screaming and screaming and screaming i had to rush down to my friend's pharmacy best option pharmacy in New heaven to quickly you know meet the pharmacist explain to him what was going on and he gave me um um legs of tan to give to her to make her weak at least and it worked because she was screaming and screaming. I was scared we had to check her BP at least to make sure that it was under control. And yeah that was it for the day he died. And you know that night everybody left and there was this particular seat my father stay, stays on. I looked at it that seat was empty. I looked at the television, no journalist hangout. Since my father died to date, the TV in my house has not come on. That was when it dawned on me that my dad was really the person I cared about watching TV in this house. And, you know, for every other day that I came, everybody kept coming. My parents knew quite a lot of people. And now, the reality of life started to set in. I started getting to learn lessons. People I have never seen in my life for the past 10-15 years suddenly knew the way to my house. Funny, right? Yeah, one would say, oh, maybe they were going through stuff, but yeah, they now all of a sudden we know the way to my house. Even people I know that offended my father and they never apologized for it. They all came to console me and I had to like play cool. I had to become... You know, I'm pretend like okay we're in good terms. Like some of them when they came, I'm like in my head. I'm like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. But then I know my father would not want me to be a violent person. And then the burial plans proper started, and I still seen a couple of people's um, real colours. I wish I could go into details where I could, but. For sake of privacy, I would not really go in depth into that, but uh, it was so sad that the people my father trusted, the people my father said, the day you look for me and you don't see me, run to those people. They were the ones that were the first set of people to rave mad. (laughs) And my father has always told me not to be dependent on people, really, so... But he felt these were people. Like, this was someone he could trust. And I remember when the person displayed his behavior. I looked at my mom that very day. And I smiled. Just to myself, lesson number one. I actually fought a lot of wars. You know, if you have Igbo friends, ask them how tough it is to plan a barrier. It, it takes a lot from you. Financially, emotionally, physically, you know. But I'm grateful. I really had some supportive uncles that came to my aid. That were there all through the burial process. I had Uncle Mike. I had Uncle odira I had Uncle Eugene. Like I had Auntie Fee. I had Uncle Sebastian. Like these people came around all through the period. And I had a lot of responsibilities, you know. My dad's, um, my dad is, a, will I say, adopted daughter Auntie Amaka. Auntie Amaka left everything, moved into my house for the two months we were planning the burial. Auntie Amaka was at my house, handling the kids. I feel like that was the breather because my mom, we, my mom and my dad had a no nanny policy. We've had bad bad stories with nannies so we didn't want to take chances with the courts at the end and my dad didn't mind you know doing the nursing and all of that (sighs) yeah and on the 30th of july he was buried and that was the last time i ever saw my dad again for the rest of my life but the image of how he died dying in my hands has remained there comes in flashes once in a while how have i been able to cope with grief well it's been hard trust me when i say it uh, my dad and my dad was a very involved father it's like every single thing at home reminds me of him um you know usually on bed my father will be the first person to call you to say happy birthday i pray for you the next month after he was buried was maybe his younger sister's birthday and you No, know, nobody had that. In my house, we always we had like we had okay, so we had the birthday train in my house. We have um August, September, October, November, my father is December, I'm January and Treasure is March. And then we had there's a long break till August again. So we had a train and we we're like, oh daddy has broken the train. 31st december it was mixed feelings for me and i lost my dad just a few days to father's day so i didn't know the pain of people that lost parents i didn't know how to feel on such days until that very day everybody was like oh happy father's day everybody was saying so many things so many nice things about their father and my dad was not there I remember the whole day i was cold i didn't eat i didn't want to speak to anybody and all i wanted to do was cry but then everybody was like be strong for your family be strong for your sisters be strong for your mom but then i was asking who i'm being strong for everybody but who is being strong for me i feel like that was just the hardest part of the whole thing Having to suck in that pain, having to deal with that pain all by myself, it was really hard. And, um, uh, I, like I said, I just feel like people should let people grieve the way they want. I remember at my father's wake I was crying because there was this Anglican hymn that usually when they even sing it at other people's burials it makes me cry now thinking it was my dad that they were singing it for I couldn't hold back tears. I was sitting behind my mom because I knew at the point I would cry so I didn't want to sit be- beside her and then I saw this woman look at me and tell me that she's going to slap me That is that like you know she gave me the sign that she's going to slap me and in my head i'm like why are you telling me why are you threatening me that you're going to slap me for god's sake i lost my father see eh, it got to a point that i'm so surprised that i planned my father's burial like my mom and i planned my father's burial and i did not fight with anybody like i did not fight verbally i did not fight physically because i was pushed severally and i'm not gonna lie i was pushed to the wall severally because it didn't make sense my friends my friends know that i keep in a lot of emotions my friends wanted me to let out these emotions like open your mouth and tell us what is wrong with you then people who barely knew me would now come i want to cry or i feel like okay i feel like letting this thing out today you're not telling me you're going to slap me i know yes you try to do that in my best interest but that's not the best way to say it i just don't know how i don't know how africans can just just i don't know just you know do better at a point i i took my mom's phone at a point i stopped answering unknown callers on my phone because someone calls you and just tell me oh i heard your father died my deepest condolences ended day but they want you to stand and narrating how everything happened how he died and i'm like are you writing a magazine are you writing an article why are you asking me just extend your condolences and go so at a point if i didn't if i wasn't familiar with your number i won't pick some people were wise enough to drop text messages and you know like i didn't even open those text messages till like after the burial that was when i just sat down and started going through whatsapp facebook i had lots of messages to respond to but i did that at my own convenience i tried to you know do it when i couldn't and Honestly, mentally, I couldn't take it. So I just backed off. I did it when I knew <sighs> I was ready for it. And really, for me, I hate, like, I didn't even know how to tell people sorry when they lose loved ones. I hate being told sorry. So people coming to say, oh, sorry, oh, this, oh, that, like, it was so strange. And then some people actually forgot the reason why they came and focused on something else. Someone actually came for condolence. Someone said she came for condolence visit. I was focused on my anklet, and telling me that I shouldn't be wearing minis in my own father's house. My parents are not complaining. I'm wearing a mini skirt in my own father's house, and it's your problem it took everything within me not to disrespect her because, I mean, my church people were here and she came with them and she called me out to say this. Since that day, I just give her one kind of attitude and just move on because as far as I'm concerned, it's silly. I'm trying not to use um, foul languages but then that's not why you came to my house. It's not your business. Just do what you came to do and go home and don't just... just you came to say sorry. Just go home. Okay? Um... I'm grateful I have a very strong mom, who has, you know, she took the mantle. I was say my dad knew this whole thing was going to happen, and he he always prepared my mom ahead of time. Always, you know, always pushing her to take up challenges. So the handling all this right now is not is nothing new to my mom, really and i'm still dealing with the grief of my dad kind of sometimes i blame myself for my dad's death yes because he used to go to the hospital every month and the hospital was like okay he's okay he seems to be very strong now because i mean his hospital was not his hospital bills were not cheap at all so they were just trying to be considerate they were like okay right now his sugar has been balanced they start giving him three months appointment maybe if we do this three months appointment about three four five six times and he's stable then we can start scheduling for six months but then he has to be on his drugs every month so I had someone that the, the person that supplied hospital with, with drugs was still the one supplying us with drugs so it's not like we we're getting substandard or anything and i blame myself for accepting that option because i feel like just maybe if he continued with his his every month treatment the sepsis would have been discovered in time yes i know it would have been discovered in time i beat myself up for that for a very long time i still do sometimes i still blame myself on my dad's death and like i said everything around the house reminds me of him um whenever i'm cooking like suddenly like when we buy chicken in the house, my dad'd be like, "Oh, I bought two chickens, therefore I'm eating the gizzard. My dad had a thing for the gizzard. my dad always tell me that gizzard, I love for women joking nisha. He tell you that if you have if you take gizzard, you have kids. That was just what he used to scare my sister and I away from bullying him from me because we always love to eat his own food and twenty fifth December, I was cooking in the kitchen, and I was staring at the gizzard, and my dad was nowhere to come at eat. It. normally if i'm even fried chicken even without the gizzard he would just come and tell you "Oh, i want you just take chicken and go but there was nobody to do that my birthday he wasn't even there to say happy birthday <sighs> i've had a few like big achievements of recent and usually he would have been someone I would share his moments with and you know he would hail me and be like oh he always called me Ademe he'd be like oh Ademe you know he would hear me I'm so proud and then these were things we were planned those were plans that we had together while he was alive and it's as if everything is working out now and he's not there to see it. it's hard I said, there is no day that passes without me remembering him. It's really hard and... I never could relate to the pain of people that lost their parents until I had to be in that shoe. <sighs> yeah, but I've always been empathic towards them. So, yeah, it wasn't as if I was a wicked person. I had to learn empathy by force through experience. So, yeah. Um, in a couple of days it'll be one year and it's so funny how time flies because I remember that night seemed like ten years in my eyes because <laughs> we're hoping by morning his doctor will come and she'll know what to do but he didn't even survive till morning and um, yeah and like I said I, a new level of strength was unlocked I've taken up the mantle as the assistant head of the family. My mom is now the head of the family, and I've become the assistant. It's made me more, I've always been responsible. <laughs> I have to give myself that credit. I've always been responsible, but um, yeah, this came with a higher responsibility, I must say. I've I've been able to face new challenges and take it up courageously and I'm really grateful for the people that I have around me. I'm grateful for my friends. Like I can't even I can't even thank my friends enough for surrounding me. I never knew how much I was loved until then. Like I had food, I had money. <laughs> I told my mom I became I made my first million from my father's burial. Nice my friends came true for me like some of them came from Abuja, some of them came from Lagos the ones that were in Enugu were coming like they were coming in and out some came every day some came two three times in a week some came with stuff for the kids ah there was so much food in my house that period we had all lucky food I could easily open a restaurant. that she had a branch in my house that period like we were loved and I think he made the grief a little bit easier. I think that that's the part of the whole thing that I miss, right? Because right now my house is so cold. Nobody comes around like, maybe just once once Those family, those people that were like really inner cackles, they just come in and just, you know, just to check in on us and know how we're doing. But you know, then it was like a daily stuff. Like, I said for two months, we barely cooked anything in my house because there was just food was just going to come every day. Food was just going to come every day and even that period I was attacked by rubbers. I don't know, it was just and I, I felt it all. I felt it all. But the pain never goes away. You only just learn how to cope with it and make good use of the pain. That's just the only thing I'm going to say. Use it to get better. Cry when you want to. I remember after my dad's burial, I went to Abuja and yeah, that was when I was able to cry Thanks to my friend choma who was with me. So choma just let me vent it all out and you know when I wasn't crying, she's was like, Are you fine now? I say, Yes, I felt better. So yeah, crying helps. Um, don't let anybody tell you, you'll oh, be a strong person, be a strong woman. No because the day is going to come to come like a wave and that was what happened to me when i went to abuja because i was just really holding it in like there and there i'll just tears will just come out smaller like, okay when i got to abuja i felt it all like it came like a wave that day it was as if if i did not cry that day my chest would explode and it was actually good i did it was good i did so i would really advise anybody if you're going through grief if the pain comes, if you're if you're like me that doesn't like sympathy, just just hide yourself in a your closet and cry. I feel like that's that's just how I do. Then at night, this is when at night when everybody has slept, I just lock the doors and just cry my own silent crying when I'm done I'll clean my eyes. When I wake up in the morning, my mom will be like see your eyes, you may cry I'm like, I mean, mommy me, no I mean because I didn't want her to cry. I didn't want her to I was just trying to fake being strong so that she be strong as well and i knew she was crying i mean this is someone she has spent 24 years of her life with it wasn't going to be easy to live the rest of her life without him but i hope my is resting i'll be very selfish to want him to be here after all the pain and you know multiple injections, everyday drugs limited feeding all because of the ailment i i felt like you know when I was feeling so angry, I was like, God, you should have been another person in of my dad. Yes, I was that selfish. I'm going to lie, But I had to realize that in as much as I wanted him here, he deserved peace. He deserved to be free from pain. And then I had to start kind of letting go bit by bit. It doesn't go away. You just find a way to stay or cope around the pain. I so, Um, I hope this maybe helps someone. I've never really come out to talk about how my dad died or how the whole burial thing went through. I mean, if I went into details, this would be longer than an hour, but I don't want it to be that long. I just want to share into my own grief story and hope it helps someone out there. And I just want to tell you that just do what you think is best for you at that point in time if you want to cry cry music helps music was like my best friend dead I knew my friends my friends Esther and Cole who sent me um like bible passages sent me stuff just things that were kind of encouraging just to uplift me and make me just feel better you and, like I said, it helps. Having people, don't don't be an island. If you have a few people that you really trust, please just find solace in their arms. And you will get over it. That's all I can say. Yeah, and I think at this point, I'm done talking. This has really taken so much out of me. But yeah. Thank you for listening and um, this is going to run for a couple of other days. There are other people that will also come to share with us what was the grief that got the better part of them and how they've been able to cope with it. What were the lessons life taught them? Yeah. So, number one lesson I learned, don't trust anybody, don't look... Up to anybody don't have expectations from people because you might be disappointed yeah number two I learned to value my family and my friends more to be more intentional than I am or than I was because at any moment they could be gone I make use of every moment I enjoy every moment in my life the good the bad the ugly i learned the lessons and i move on i learned to smile more if you know me now i smile a lot i smile more i own my emotions more if it's time to cry i'll cry yeah even if i miss hiding in the closet to cry but i will still cry yeah then i learned that you really cannot do this life thing without god no matter how much you try to <laughs> try it's just going to get you very tired you'll just be very exhausted trying so i'm not going to say i'm very consistent i'm still trying to build up my faith because trust me i lost it when i lost my dad but i'm very sure that we'll get there we'll really really get there and yeah i think these five lessons uh they will have driven me this past almost a year so on that note i want to say rest in peace daddy i love you so much we love you this house feels so different without you we miss having you smile we miss having you laugh out so loud until you begin to cough but i hope you listen to this i hope it makes you smile and i hope we make you proud see us and smile and yeah we always feel your presence so you know you're somehow still with us Uh, my consolation is again the guardian angel yeah so thank you for listening and hope to see you on the next episode of this grief series if you want to share your story after listening to this please hit us up at mwpodcast underscore on on instagram send me a dm and i'll definitely respond and plan on how to record so thank you once again for coming on here to listen and to have a lovely day ahead